Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Burton. At time of recording, I'm 67 years old, and just this year I was diagnosed as autistic. This is my story. Hi, I'm going to tell you about my early life today, and I hope that other people can appreciate some of the things I went through. You've got to remember that I was born in 1955 and as a young child growing up in the late 50s and early 60s, autism just wasn't ever heard of and consequently the weight, I guess, of uh, that experience fell heavily upon people's shoulders. So I'm going to uh, tell you some of that. Growing up odd. I was born at an early age. My mother was present, which probably explains a lot. My first five years, those that I recall, I spent as an only child. This does not mean my brother and sister, when they arrive, spoil things for me, and that I harbour deep, murderous resentment towards them. I don't. Honestly. I was an imaginative and sensitive little boy who could spend hours by himself in the backyard playing games with a stick. Young listeners, this was before the internet, computers and even TV were invented. We wore animal skins and we grunted a lot. All through that time, I was quiet and shy. I remember hiding behind my mother's dress if we met someone new. But I do remember being happy. Both my mother and father were gentle and loving. I especially idolised my father, who told me stories and repeatedly demonstrated his great love for me. His tender-hearted, artistic humanity has been the basis and aspiration of my masculinity ever since. This is a shame in one way. It often traditionally unfolds in stories like this that the difficulties I was to experience in my life were all to do with traumatic incidents in my childhood caused by evil parents. This is simply not true in my case. In those early years, nothing terrible was done to me. I cannot remember my father ever smacking me for any infraction. And this was in the days when smacking was not only acceptable, but accepted. Every child received a good thrashing once or twice a week, whether they deserved it or not. My father's gift was words. He was a radio announcer in those days, a term now vanished from our lexicon. If I did something wrong, he would sit down with me, put his arm around my shoulders, and explain why what I had done wasn't acceptable. The very idea of disappointing Dad was enough to bring me to tears. I was always a good boy, and never did anything that was naughty deliberately. At the tender age of five, 
my parents put me into kindergarten, as it was then called. It was probably very nice. Apparently, I screamed blue murder and my parents had to be called. After that first day, I never returned. Now I am completely mystified by my early intense separation anxiety. As I say, nothing terrible had ever happened to me, so why was I afraid? Why was I anxious? I smell the stench of preloaded genetics. My current psychiatrist thinks my father was autistic. Going through my memories of him, I can certainly see suggestive signs. Of course, in those days, very few people knew about autism and much of what anyone thought they knew was wrong anyway. My father was a self-educated man. My bedtime stories from a young age were Greek myths. The strange power of the words entered my young brain and lodged there like a burr. Now let's take this shy and sensitive young flower and put him in a school at age six. Yes, it goes exactly as you think it does. I cried. Lots. Of course, in 1961, lots of kids cried on the first day of grade one, often with good reason. But it wasn't all that bad. I soon fell in love with my teacher and made a couple of friends in my relatively small primary school in the Bayside suburb of Brisbane. A couple of friends. It seems I have a very small spreadsheet in my head with a very limited capacity. Two or three friends will just about do it. If I find I need to make a new one, I have to let an old one go. To this day, I can only recall the names of eight people in the whole world, and most of them are close relatives. Those who have been my friends, I loved. Friendship for me was an intense and deep relationship. It makes sense I only had emotional resources for a few friends. It grieves me to say that now I have no close friends outside of my family. Acquaintances are only superficial. I'll talk more about friends and how to lose them, if you want to know, later on. Back to school. I also had no idea about how school physically worked. I couldn't pick up on the social skills. Social life was a frightening blur. We had two bells to signal the end of lunchtime. At the first bell, you were supposed to leave the play area and sit with your classmates underneath the raised classrooms all Queensland schools had. Yes, I know this now. I read it in a book. I can remember clearly the day. I must have been six. I loved the monkey bars. I wanted to play on the monkey bars, but all the other kids would yell and push and not take turns, and I was frightened. Note, you're going to hear a lot about fear in this podcast. The first bell rings, all the kids run undercover, leaving the monkey bars magically free. I can't believe my luck. I climb on and begin to play in glorious solitude, which is my favourite kind. All the other seated children watch me as if I'm a monkey in a zoo. A male teacher, no God, not a male teacher, barks out at me and I suddenly realise I've made a tremendous fool of myself. 
the fact that I am over 60 now and still remember it very clearly gives you an indication of its impact on me. And aside, this is my life. It's not your life. I don't expect you to be fascinated by it. The reason I'm talking about it is it leads us to think about our own lives, our common experience, and the points where we differ. It may also lead us to consider other people in a more conscious and compassionate way. For example, when I was a teacher, my own experience as a child made me far more conscious of shy, sensitive children, and I tried to make their lives a little easier. As parents, I'm sure we take our own childhood experiences and try to replicate the best bits for our own children and avoid repeating the bad bits. Unless you're an idiot. I can tell you from experience, too many idiots exist. So let's see what we've learned so far. Extreme shyness, classic introvert, imaginative loner, no peer companions, anxiety often leading to emotional overreactions, few friends, difficulty making friends, difficulty in grasping norms, and a non-traditional masculine model. And he's only six. Those of you younger people who have had some experience with autism could have picked me out of a crowd and said, yep. But surprisingly, this little fellow does get on. He begins to enjoy school. It turns out he's bright and pleases his teachers. Wanting to be approved is one of the great recurring themes of this life. You may like to think about that a bit. Pathetic need of approval of others. The psychologist writes on her pad beside her doodle of an elephant. I've been talking for 30 minutes. In those days, it was a regular practice to test children give a percentage and a rank for each subject, then average that to find the overall percentage and rank, which was, of course, meaningless. But this single number was a measure of your worthiness. This number had physical implications. Teachers would seat students in orderly rows, of course, in order of their rank, starting at the rear left seat as the teacher faced the room, and moving across the rows, and down until the front seats were filled by the poor, misguided and foggy souls who were the worst in the class. Or more succinctly, dumb. <laughs> Life was great. We'll continue this story next time. I look forward to your company. Mm -hmm.